Welcome back to the Growth Against the Grain podcast. Today is episode 177, and it's something that I don't think I've ever done before. The episode that you're about to listen to is actually an episode that I recorded with my friend Elise of the Wholesome Mama podcast. I'll leave her link below. If you're not following her, go follow her. She is an extraordinary mom, mum. She's from Australia and she has the cutest little accent. She has three littles and we have become just the dearest of friends. And she asked me to come on her podcast and share about our struggles with fertility and loss, miscarriage, stillbirth, all of that whole story and to share that with her audience. So I did. And then I asked her, I was like, hey, can you send that episode over to me? Because I would love to share it with my audience. So this has nothing to do with business and it has everything to do with trusting the Lord in times when it's like, oh my goodness gracious, what in the world are you doing? And it's fun to be able to look back, you know, 10 plus, 13 plus years and see all of that heartache and struggle from a different perspective, right? So some of you might find yourself knee deep in this. Maybe this is raw and, and you've, you're walking this journey right now. Some haven't even started this journey of parenthood and, and the ups and the downs that can be there. And some are like me, who this is your story. So all glory be to God because what he has allowed my husband and I and our family to walk through has really just strengthened our love for him and our desire to honor him and appreciate what he has given us. So I hope that this ministers to you because I know that there is at least one mama out there who needs to hear this. And the other thing that I don't think I've ever done before is this is absolutely the longest episode I have ever aired, but I just couldn't break it up. So enjoy. Maybe you have to listen to it in a couple of parts. I hope this, I hope this ministers to your heart. Hey there, my unicorn mama. Do you feel like you're not having success in your network marketing business? Are you struggling to build a team or get customers? Do you think people will run from you if you bring up your company or products one more time? Do you feel awkward like you're forcing sales? Do you hate cold market messaging but have no idea what else would work to grow your network marketing business? What if I told you it was possible to build a successful network marketing, social selling business your way? A way that felt comfortable, authentic, and easy. Imagine if new customers and team members came to you and they actually wanted your products and to work with you. It's possible to have success by simplifying your process so you can convert in less time. I'm Michelle. Hey there. And after more than a decade in the network marketing industry, I've finally figured out a system to help me show up as the audacious, unique unicorn God created me to be to use my time efficiently and effectively while not being tied to social media and having more fun in the process. In this podcast, 
you'll find ways to grow your network marketing, direct sales, social selling business through strategic goal setting, unlocking a growth mindset, social media strategy, tactical sales and marketing hacks, genuine, authentic connection, and relationships built on trust. You'll hear from expert guests and some fun, spicy conversations with other unicorns just like you. So go heat up that cup of coffee for the eighth time. I know how it goes and let's get started. Welcome back to the Wholesome Mama Show. Today I have a very special guest, a very dear friend of mine, Michelle Castro, joining me all the way over in LA. And so hello, Michelle. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. So fun. Yes. Welcome back. You are you have been on the show before. I'm wanna say early 2021. Do you Yes, I think so. Shortly after I started my podcast. So yeah, it has to be. It's crazy. (laughs) We got younger. Well, you're already young and the podcast got older. So great. (laughs) Would you, for anyone who doesn't know you or maybe hasn't listened to that episode yet, would you mind introducing yourself? Tell us a little bit about you, a bit about your family, where you are in the world. Yes, absolutely. I live in Southern California in the United States in the Los Angeles area. So you know, Hollywood, we just run into movie stars every single day. Just kidding. Just kidding. People think that, but no. And I run into kangaroos. Right. And koala bears, of course. Duh. Um, So I have been married for 25 years. How insane is that? Um, We have three daughters. They are 19, 16, and 12 at the moment. So you know, we got an adult one, which parenting an adult is kind of a whole new thing, whole new ball of wax. Um, and I started a podcast, what, a year and a half ago, April of 2021. The Lord really put it on my heart. And I was like, no, that's dumb. And, and he's like, oh, that's funny. And so here we are. It's called Growth Against the Grain. I coach women in the network marketing space to really just show up as themselves, as that unique unicorn. I have pink hair, so I feel like I identify with unicorns or I can relate to them. Um, But really, I just want women to be them. I love the network marketing space, but we want to do things our own way. Yes, I love that. And we were actually going to be talking about the network marketing space and really partnering with God, because I think people think that it's God can't be in business, but I love that your whole perspective on um, network marketing, social selling, social retail, whatever you want to call it, is really, we can actually do this partnering with God and God can actually use the mothers at home, you know, Um, but we're not going to talk about that (laughs) because um, just kidding. They're not going to go there. That's what we had planned. God being God uh, told, told, well, really told me to um, something you mentioned on your podcast a couple of times is um, your 
still stillbirth of your beautiful boy uh, and your previous miscarriages. And I really, God was just like, you need to get her on to talk about that. So we're going in a whole nother direction today. Um, but obviously God has a plan. There's someone listening to this that really needs to hear um, your story. And I, I love how the goodness of God is just woven all throughout your story. So it's kind of one of those things though, that I'm like, where do you start? Like, well, I've never brought a ro- I have a roll of toilet paper because we don't have any Kleenex. I have never brought Kleenex or a roll of toilet paper to a podcast interview, but I am armed and ready to go because God is good and it is emotional, but it's all good. Yeah. Yeah. And hard. And hard. <laughs> so can you walk us through um, sure. what your story when it comes, when it came to, um, you know, pregnancy and then um, experiencing miscarriages. Yeah. 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 This is, um, well, first I got like chills just as you were talking because to share our journey is really to my prayer is always to point to the goodness of God, because I get to tuck three girls into bed every night. I don't tuck them into bed so much anymore, but I get the opportunity to live life with these three beautiful daughters, but there are four other babies of mine that are waiting in heaven for me. And you know, if you've been pregnant at all, or if you've ever held your baby, you realize what a miracle life is like for all of that to go right and produce this perfect, you know, um, 46 chromosomed baby, like that's insane. So I can remember being on our honeymoon. We went to Victoria, British Columbia, beautiful area. And we, my husband and I were you know, we waited until marriage and to have sex. And I don't know if we can say that on here, but we were, we, we we believed that that's what the Lord wanted us to do. And so we did. And I just remember being on our honeymoon and being like, oh my goodness, what if we get pregnant? Like on our honeymoon. And I remember looking out at, from our hotel room, you know, you're on your honeymoon when you get to stay at the Empress hotel, anyone from Victoria is like, oh my gosh, this place is amazing. I remember looking out and it said like Victoria on somewhere. I can't remember where it was. And I was like, well, if it's a girl, you know, we would name her Victoria. And after I stopped crying, like I would be happy about it. But that seemed like, I remember vividly like sitting there going two fears I have one getting pregnant on our honeymoon and two never being able to get pregnant. And that, so if you then fast forward to, we were married in 1997 and I was teaching and I always knew that I wanted to be home with my kids. My husband traveled a lot. I retired from teaching, got my real estate license so that I could <laughs> have more freedom, have more time, which is a joke all in itself. But I get to work with my dad. And then we decided, okay, let's actually, I don't think we even decided. I went off the pill because, which is a whole other thing. When I listened to your episode about the pill, I was like, well, no wonder I had headaches and all kinds of stuff. Go back and listen to one of her episodes about that. Um, But I went off the pill and we got pregnant and we were just like, okay, like 
I remember being excited. Like, this is fun. This is not what we were planning yet. We were still in an apartment. Like I had this whole, you know, we'd buy a house, like we'd be all these things, you know, it would be great, but that didn't actually happen. I vividly remember picking my husband up from the airport. He'd been traveling. We, it was my birthday. We went to the gap and bought like a baby outfit and we wrapped it up and we were going to give it to my parents to open up or do something to announce that we were pregnant. We did. Everyone was excited. It was so much fun. We went and like did all the baby looking. And then I remember going to the, the doctor's appointment, the second one, cause we had already gone once, seen a heartbeat, everything. We went back and we had lost the baby. And I remember my mom having, losing a baby between uh, my, my two brothers. And just like, I remember her talking about a miscarriage, but it wasn't anything that we like, you know, let's sit down and talk about miscarriages again. But I had heard about it. My sister-in-law had had a miscarriage, you know, shortly before I did. And so we went through that process and it was heart-wrenching. The pain of it was not like we did a DNC. It wasn't painful, but I remember sitting in bed, like bawling my eyes out over a few things. Um, one, how many people discard a baby so quickly, like that just ripped my heart out. And two, like I was mourning the loss of this idea. Like this baby was like, itty bitty little thing. And I had it like graduating Harvard summa cum laude, like that was ever going to happen anyways. And, you know, like it was the, I, the death of the dreams. And it was so like, like, I just thought, Oh, we'll get pregnant. Like that'll be fine. And then what was really hard is I was ready. Like, let's go, let's try this again. Like, let's do it. And my husband was like, let's just hold on. I really wasn't ready to do this then. And, and so that was hard, like walking through all of that. Um, I think it was about a year later, we got pregnant with our oldest daughter and, you know, then you're like, okay, is this, is this going to be good? Is this not? And the contrast between the two pregnancies was so different. Like the first one I felt, I felt kind of fine with Ellie. I just, did not feel, I felt blah. And I was like, oh, hallelujah. I'll take blah like every day of the week. Uh, that's okay. It's totally fine. And, you know, nine months later, we met this beautiful little girl. And I was like, oh, like at that moment, I realized how phenomenal our God is and how amazing and what a miracle this little baby is as you see them growing and growing. And I, I was just completely in awe. I can't remember at what point we got pregnant again. And um, so then we, we subsequently lost two babies after Ellie. And I remember looking at Ellie and like just being so grateful and thinking like if, if all I meant to have is to be the mama to her, like that was more than I deserved way more than I ever deserved. So I, I would just, you know, like your heart would break and we went through two more DNCs, which was awful. And, and I started like charting everything. And, you know, I did the whole thing. I would laugh at people that would like check everything. And I became that woman that checked everything. I had a thermometer next to my bed and like, (laughs) 
you lay there and you wake up and you like reach over for the thermometer because you don't want to move too much. And you sit there and beep, okay, record the temperature, whatever. And I remember taking it into my doctor and he looked at my charts and he was like, oh, okay, you have a short luteal phase, I think is what he said. And so like, he's like, oh, of course your eggs are not adhering. Like you're getting pregnant. They're not adhering. So they slough off, boom, we'll start Clomid. And I was like, great. Am I going to have 12? Like, just please tell me I won't have a litter. Like that is not what I want. He's like, no, 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 that never happens. Like, okay. I should also mention my doctor was amazing. He was a Christian. I purposely, we were self-employed. So I purposely like worked our, our insurance in the way so that I could get him. I would call the office and be like, what does he take? He took everything. He went to our church. He like delivered all of like our missionaries babies when they would come back. So he'd be like, what, what insurance I'll take it. Great. So I would like back it up into, to make sure that I had had him and, um, you know, he's like, Clomid, yeah, sure. Let's do that. Great. Let's do it. Sounds good. Um, and so with Lily Clomid, like it worked right away. We got pregnant right away. And again, I remember just feeling blah. And I was like, hallelujah, hallelujah. This is great. I will take blah every day of the week. And out came that little girl. Like she was just a spunk from, from day one. So I had these two beautiful little girls and it certainly eased the heartache of these three babies that I was like, one day I'll get to meet them. I remember even asking my doctor after my third miscarriage, um, he did, um, like, um, not an autopsy, but like a chromosomal analysis or, you know, really check to see. And I remember asking him, I was like, like, was that baby a, a, a girl or a boy? Like, am I not able to get pregnant? Like, maybe I'm just not able to have boys, you know, and maybe my body like is just rejecting boys. And he's like, no, actually it was a girl. Like it just, like, there was just nothing wrong. Like there's, it's just not, it wasn't adhering. So I'm like, okay. So I always had really weird cycles. My body was like, I don't know, let's do 60 days. Let's do 30 days. Let's do like whatever. And of course me being me, did I ever like really keep track of it? No, I would just be like, gosh, it seems like it's been a long time since I, you know, with Lily I had, because I was like, okay, you know, you got to chart all this. After I had Lily, my cycle was like, so normal. I could, I could feel myself ovulate. Like I was in touch with my body. I knew what was going on. I remember standing at the washing machine one day and feeling something on my right side. And I was like, oh, I think I just ovulated. And I think that means that I got pregnant or I will. Like, I just remember it being like, I know what I, hmm, I won't be surprised when I, when I get pregnant. So I have two, two little ones. I think Ellie was like four at the time and Lily was one, something, something like that. Um, and sure enough, I've like a ton, which makes it super easy when the doctor asks, when you get pregnant, you're like, well, let's see here. You were in town at this week. <laughs> That's when it was. Um, so this is my sixth pregnancy. And from day one, it was weird. 
something was not right. It just felt weird. But I was like, okay, but well, it'll be fine. I started spotting, um, went to the doctor. Finally, he put me on bed rest, which is great when you have, I, yeah, Ellie was getting ready to start kindergarten. So she's five and you got to do back to school shopping, like all the things. And I'm like, this is fabulous. How do you do back to school? Or how do you do bed rest with a five-year-old and a two-year-old? Like, this is not possible. My husband actually wasn't traveling at the time. He was working at a car dealership, which is worse than traveling. He was gone all the time. So we moved in with my parents and I sat and like online shopped, did all her back to school shopping there. And because I thought bed rest meant sit still for a little bit and then move around for a little bit. I'm here to tell you, friends, if your doctor puts you on bed rest, it actually means that you're supposed to stay because lo and behold, Michelle's not super brilliant, but I'd lay no bleeding. I'd get up and move for a little bit and I'd start to bleed. And my doctor's like, no, 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 you got to lay, you got to lay still. So we, um, my doctor sent us to a perinatologist to really do some additional like work, like what's going on here. I had never had any bleeding of any sort. And I have never been so thankful to have the same doctor for my, all of my pregnancies because he just knew me. He knew like, this is not normal. We go see the perinatologist and he tells us, um, first of all, before we went to the perinatologist, um, my doctor was so sweet and says, Hey, just, just so you, you know, like they're going to, you're going to meet with, um, a genetic counselor and they're going to recommend you abort this baby. And I just want you to walk in knowing ahead of time so that you're not blindsided. Says you, you feel free to tell them exactly what you want to tell them. And I so appreciated him telling us that. And my husband and I both were like, God gave us this baby. Like we're not, we're not terminating this pregnancy just because there's maybe some issues, some things going on. And so we walked in. She was so gracious, really, really, really sweet. She did not agree with our decision, but she never made us feel like it was very much like, okay. Like I've said my piece, you've said yours. Great. Let's move on. So then we went in and meet with the perinatologist and he, from that appointment, we found out that our baby had either only one functioning kidney or just a single kidney and a ventricular septal defect. So a hole between the two ventricles in the heart, the right and the left heart or ventricles. And so I remember talking back with our meeting back up with our OB and he's like, okay, so here's the thing. Like, we don't know. Everything could holes close themselves up. People live their entire life, never knowing they only have one kidney. This could all be, you know, as the baby progresses and grows, we could find out that all of this is wrong. Like both kidneys function, both, you know, things, they, they can see things better um, as, as they grow. And he says, but I want you to prepare yourself for the two ends of the spectrum. You could give birth to a a beautiful, perfect baby, or you could lose the baby. So we're like, okay. How far along were you at this? Um, the first time we went to the perinatologist, I think we were like 18 weeks old. Oh, 
I forgot a very important part. Let me back up at, sorry, not 18 weeks old, 18 weeks pregnant, 18 weeks pregnant. This is what brought on going to the perinatologist. I wake up at three in the morning, soaked in blood, soaked in blood. And I'm like, okay, okay. We call the doctor. He's like, get over to labor and delivery right away. My mom comes over, watches the girl, you know, we leave. We have our, our doctor's about 45 minutes away. The whole way over, my husband's like, what do you think? I'm like, oh, DMC. Like you get to this point too, where you're a little cynical. You know, I've had three, I've had three miscarriages. Like I've walked through this. We've got two girls. Like, do we just kind of like, thank you Lord for those. And, you know, we go over to ER. We go in, she brings out the Doppler. We hear a heartbeat. I'm like the most shocked I have ever been. I'm like, what the heck? Oh my goodness. Okay. The first sign that I knew something was wrong is she did an ultrasound. This is a tech. I've always had my doctor doing the ultrasound, telling us everything as we go along. So she's got to be a little bit more, you know, like poker faced. She can't really tell us everything that's going on. And, but I'm watching. And if you've had more than one ultrasound, what is it? Every measurement is usually right on. Like maybe it's 18 weeks, one day, 18 weeks, two days. Like, you know, all of the bones, they're measuring everything. They're all within a day range. Like they don't vary a lot. These were like, first of all, he was measuring smaller. We didn't know it was a boy at the time, but he was measuring smaller. Um, it was like 16 weeks, two days, 16 weeks, five days, like the measurements were all off and I'm watching all of this. And I'm like, something's not right. This doesn't look right, but I know I can't ask her any questions because she can't legally can't say anything. So, and he, so at that point, yeah, we're about 18 weeks and they said, okay, we want you to come back at like, I think it was like 24 ish weeks. That's the optimum time to see the heart. You know, you'll, you'll, we'll just have better information at that time. Great. No problem. Can't wait. I mean, anytime they're going to let you see your baby, you're like, awesome. I remember talking to family, you know, going home after we find out this information, this is not ideal. We did not want to find out that there was anything wrong with our baby and going, we went over to my parents' house, you know, we're crying and, and really just praying through this, talking about this. My aunt had been um, in charge of the blood department at our children's hospital. And I remember talking to her and she's like, Michelle, the hole in the heart is like the number one surgery our doctors do all the time. Like it's nothing new. It's not going to be the first one. I'm like, okay, like, I don't want my baby to go through surgery, but I certainly will feel so much better if it's something that they're familiar with, something that they do on a regular basis. And it'll be early enough where he'll never remember it. Like it'll be, you know, and again, kidney. Okay, great. It'll be fine. I remember talking to my cousin after church one Sunday where our pastor had been speaking on Moses and how Moses wanted to see God. He wanted to see God. And, and God's like, okay, well, you, you can't see me and live. But here, I'll put you in this rock and I'll cover you and you can see me as I pass by. And I remember sitting there and thinking like, how awesome, like 
how awesome would it be to see the glory of God? Like just to, to even like get a glimpse of that. And after that, that service, I remember talking to my cousin. He's like, Shell, I'm so sorry. You know? And I'm like, Jeff, if, if something's wrong, my baby gets to be with Jesus. Like, I, I don't know what's going to happen, but he gets to be with Jesus. He's like, I know, I know, but this is hard. I'm like, I know it, it just stinks. We went up to the mountains for a week. The girls had some time out of school. And I remember feeling the baby kick and I was like, oh my gosh, how the baby is awesome. A little bit later, but you know, like you forget with each pregnancy, right? You're like, I don't know. Do they kick? Don't I? I don't know. Great. We get back down. We go to the doctor. Our appointment was on a Thursday. I always helped in my daughter's classroom on Thursday. My mom went, we took our youngest daughter because we're just going to the doctor. Like no big deal, right? We're going to take her. My husband will go off to work, blah, 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 whatever. The night before, I remember right before I went to sleep, I rolled over and I was like, hey, babe, I just, I feel like something's not right. He's like, okay. Then he's like, and then you rolled over and went to sleep. I was like, well, I got that off my chest. Like it had been there. I needed, I just needed somebody else to know. So we go to the doctor's office. We got our two-year-old in tow and they start the ultrasound. We're looking at the, the screen and I know instantly something's not right. Stops the, the ultrasound. He turns to my husband. He's like, Hey dad, um, can you take the little one? You guys just go outside for a second. And I'm like, Oh, he shut the door and he said, the baby's gone, right? He's like, yeah, I'm so sorry. I'm sure he said something more eloquent than that, but that's all I ever remember. And then I said, um, okay, uh, can you tell me if it's a boy or a girl? And it was like, as soon as he told me it was a little boy, like, I love my girls but I wanted a boy like so badly. I wouldn't trade my girls for the world, but all of a sudden you realize like in that moment, what your heart's desire was. I was like, okay, okay. So he brought my husband back in. I don't, it's really kind of like all a blur after that. And I just, you know, when you, when you see your husband, like just broken, like, oh, but we have a two-year-old who's like, oh, what's this? What's this? You're like, okay. <laughs> There's something really sweet about it too, because you're like, well, I can't like, I, I gotta like get everything, see everything that's going on there. Um, so he called our doctor, our OB ahead of time. And, you know, he's like, you, you can decide what you want to do. Um, but you know, as if you can decide, like my understanding was if you didn't want to give birth right away, you wanted to wait or whatever. And, you know, we made all the calls that we needed to make, called my mom. Um, and we went over to the hospital and to our, our OB. And I just remember them just being so gracious. The coolest part about this and, and walking through all of this is I remember the ways the Lord was gracious and merciful and he didn't have to be, wow. you know, like he says, he'll take care of our needs, 
but the things like over and over and over again that he took care of us like we walked into the delivery into the the ob's office like this is the the doctor's office which happens to also be right in the hospital but like he's seeing patients there's it's filled with pregnant moms we're sitting over in the in the corner just you know like numb broken and the the sweet receptionist she's like come on guys you know like takes us and and puts us in a back room out of out of there so we don't have to sit there Hmm. doctor comes in and you know kind of gives us our options and I had my first baby was a c-section my second was a v-back so we had to make the decision of what we were going to do they get us into the triage and and I'll never forget it's like such a defining moment I remember sitting in the triage unit and I had my bible and I it was on my lap and I remember looking at it and I remember thinking there has never been a day in my life that I doubted God's word. And I'll tell you right now, everything is true. Every word of this Bible is true. My God is good. This sucks. My God is good. Absolutely. His truths, his mercies are new every single moment. And I was so thankful for that moment that that was my first thought. Cause I was like, okay, Lord, thank you. Like I'm yours. And what ensued the next 24 hours was something I want nobody to ever walk through. And yet I would not trade a millisecond of it because I saw my God work in ways that this sheltered Christian school, Christian, everything girl had never walked through. I had never had to experience such deep emotional and physical pain like that before. And yet like over and over, undeniably the way the Lord worked. My cousin had, has five kids at that point. Her husband was in seminary to be a pastor, worked like he couldn't, my aunt her parents, my aunt and uncle, her brother and sister-in-law were in Europe. Like there was nobody to watch the kids. Well, because they were in Europe, the office was closed. My, my cousin's husband worked for, um, for her brother. He's like, go, go. I got this. I'll take care of the kids. She was there for the entire time. My parents were there. My husband's best friend who had moved to Chicago was in town for a business meeting. This is before Uber friends. He had to get a taxi cab like an hour away and he came. Like those are the things like just the ways like our, our hospital has a double door entrance room. Never thought about it ever before, because when you go to labor and delivery, you're excited. You're happy. This is great. When you're not there to deliver a a live brand new, sweet crying baby, you don't want to hear any of that. (laughs) I made the mistake of making like, let's go for a walk. And I hear all these mamas and everything. I was like, and hey, never mind. Let's go back and lock ourselves in our double door entry. And you know, you could walk in at any time and we were all bawling our eyes out, or we were laughing hysterically. Like it was just, but it's because we understood, like, my my hope is not in my son. My hope is in Jesus Christ, and that is eternal. Mm. And this hurts and it's hard. And even the way that we delivered. So when you force your body to deliver, 
early. Your body's like, um, yeah, no, we aren't, we don't do this. This is not how it's supposed to go. We, we like debated for six hours if I would have a C-section or if I would go with a V-back. My husband's like, let's get this baby out. Let's go. Like, let's get that pain out. I'm like, yeah, then I got to sit here for three days with all these women that have these cute babies. I don't want to be here with them. Mm -hmm. But then like what happens, what your body has to go through to give birth? Like, oh my goodness. My dad was so cute. He's like, okay, so can we decide to go like V back? And if she changes her mind and my doctor's like, absolutely. Boom. Let's do that. Let's induce labor. Like, let's go that route. And my doctor was able to deliver my baby. That doesn't happen very often because your baby is so small. So he was like nine ounces um, like 11 and a half inches long. Like he was, you don't have to get dilated to 10 centimeters, like just so many amazing ways that the Lord was kind and gracious. One of our nurses who had been there for, I think at least Lily or whatever was there. She was like, Michelle, I was praying on my way into work that the Lord would use me in some way. I'm like, well, welcome to the party, Shannon. Like, here you go. Um, and so just to, you know, see all those, all those things happen. Um, there's so many details that I forget that I don't want to, but overarching was just how sweet and precious God was. I had, I wanted to see my baby. Like I wanted to see him. I wanted to hold him. I wanted to like, whatever we could do, I wanted to do. Our nurses were like, awesome. I said, however, I want to see him on my terms. I don't want to like look over and he's in the bassinet and the, you know, how they have like the bassinet and the warmer. I don't want to look over and see him. Like I want to do it on my terms. So they had done like this whole, like, uh, whatever those things are like shutters, you know, whatever, whatever that, like that changing kind the of. screen. Yeah. A screen. Sure. So they had put a screen up because my husband wasn't sure he wanted to see him. I was like, that's fine. Everyone can do what they want to do. I'm not going to tell anyone they can't see the and whatever you guys decide. So they had the screen up and long story short, can I say that at this point? <laughs> it's great. Keep going. Good. He was born. He was perfect. Perfectly formed. He had 10 fingers. He had 10 toes. He was a boy like everything was formed. You get what I'm saying? Wink, wink, nod, nod. Like he was perfect. And they put him over and, and I so badly wanted to hold him. Unfortunately, he was so frail and thin. I could not, but his feet were perfect. His feet were perfect. I have his footprints. So my, my next tattoo is his footprints. His name is Jackson Christopher. My husband had loved the name Jackson and being a former teacher, I was like, oh my goodness, too many kids named Jackson. Like we're not doing that. Anyways, when we find out it's a boy, I'm like, okay, let's look at, you know, names, meaning, whatever. Jack is a derivative of John, which means given by God. Christopher means Christ bearer. Our son was given to us by God to bear the name of Christ. And you better believe any chance I get, I'm going to do that because he's so good. Mm. He's so good. Our son had what's called triploidy, which means he had 96 chromosomes. I'm sorry, 69 chromosomes. You and I have 46 chromosomes. And so he had a whole other half a person. 
And so if you think of like someone with Down syndrome or trisomy 18, they have one additional um, chromosome on, on their strand. And you can see the varying effects of that, right? It, so many ways that can go. He had 23 extra. It is not compatible with life. Most babies do not live past the first trimester, but he did because our God had a plan for him. And then um, six months, no, a year later, about, about nine months later, we got pregnant with our youngest. And I was like, uh, I, I'm not, I'm not really ready to do this again. And again, the Lord was so gracious because I had such a peace throughout that whole pregnancy. Wow. It was seamless. It was perfect. It was easy. The only thing I pushed for was to be induced on her due date because I was like, I need to hear a crying baby. And that's, I was like, that's all, that's all I want. Like I just, but you know, it's really fun is after you go through all that, then you have another pregnancy and you get to be a geriatric, um, high risk pregnancy that makes you feel really good. You're like, this is, this is good. So the girls talk about their brother all the time. I have a tattoo on my wrist that it has my daughter's middle names, which is grace, joy, and hope, which I always say my life can be summed up by those three words. The grace of God, his gracious gift gives me eternal joy and hope for the future. And then in the midst of, in the middle of that is Jackson's name because those are my babies. I love it. I, well, I don't love that that happened, but I love how like God is so kind. And I think that is something that I, I feel like this year I've been constantly undone by how kind he is. And so just hearing that story and hearing how he has worked his goodness, he just weaves it. And, you know, the fact that you were able, like, that is powerful. The fact that you were able to look at your Bible and go, this sucks. This is the worst thing ever. Yeah. But he is still good. Yes. Because how many times do we, you know, little things happen yep. in comparison and go, oh, God, why did you let this happen? So the yeah. fact that you were able to do, like, yeah. What's crazy is right after that, my husband, it really made things, some, some things very clear for him. He left his job that he was at and the next year was so hard. Like I had no control over my son. Like that was clearly, I mean, I have no control over everything, but when it's medical, you feel like, okay, it's out of my hands, right? There's nothing I can do. But when it's a job, like, so now my husband's out of a job for a year and I'm like, but if you can just send the email, if you can just send that trial, as hard as it may sound to or be to believe, was harder than losing my son. Because you feel like you have some sort of control over that. And in reality, you have just as much control over that as you do everything else. One verse that I found while we were pregnant with Jackson I don't think I had ever read it before, before is first Peter five, 10 and 11. And after, after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, 
will himself, our God is a personal God, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you to him be the dominion forever and ever. Wow. Our God is so good. Mm. So life is like, I remember my sister-in-law being like, like, what? Like she was so confused. I was like, Job's wife. That sounds like Job's wife. Like, you know, curse God and die. And Job's like, well, are we only supposed to accept good from God? It's, it all goes together. Can you, I know we are running out of time, um, but I'd really love to get you just to share um, like an encouragement for someone who maybe um, has just recently walked past that, um, walked through that or someone um, who's trying to get pregnant because, you know, trying to get pregnant sounds fun. It's not, it's, it is the worst thing. Not, okay. Not the worst thing. It sucks though. Okay. (laughs) Not the worst, not the worst. Okay. (laughs) But it sucks like trying to, and, you know, I'm, I'm very thankful that I haven't had to try after a miscarriage, but you know, it took us ages to fall pregnant with our first um and there's there's no fun in trying especially when you are tracking and you are okay we have to do it today because today is the day it's not fun it takes all the fun all the romance out of it I had one friend she was like I wanted sand in the sheets she's like I'm at the doctor's office because I've got you know IVF and she's like this is not fun her husband's like I can throw sand on the the hospital Yeah, it's hard. It does. It sounds like so much fun. Like we're going to try. And all of a sudden it just becomes a chore. You're like, okay, well, we gotta, we gotta try this. We gotta do this. Um, well, one thing that I found was really encouraging is talking about it because once we like put it out into the light, I don't mean that like in a, you know, once you put it out into the universe, I just mean like, once we talk about it, one, it takes the, like it demystifies it immediately. Like it takes the power out of the pain. It still hurts. It still hurts. It's awful. It's terrible. But what you're going to find is you're not alone. And Mm -hmm. here's the thing is the enemy wants you to think you're alone always. He wants you to think that you're the only one who can't get pregnant. You're the only one who's losing babies. You're the only one whose marriage is, is tough. You're the only, like he wants us to think that all the time, but you know, find, find those people who, who get you find, you know, talk to people. And unfortunately you might have to be the one that starts the conversation. You might have to be the one who rips that bandaid off and, and you know, you have to do it true to you. I am not one who's going to do a lot of self-loathing and, you know, like, woe is me. But on the flip side of that, it also means that I don't always get the help that I need because I come off very like strong, like Michelle's got it. I can, I can handle it. Um, so find your group. And the beauty of social media is there's people out there. There's probably a Facebook group for it. You might not want to stick in there too long. Cause I have a feeling it might be a little weird at some point, but you know, find, find people that understand and everyone's story is different everyone's loss has hit them in a different way and it's just as meaningful to them 
every year we celebrate Jackson's birthday. It is October 10th, 2008. We do, it's happy Jackson day. And we do something, you know, for a while we would like, what would Jackson want to do? He'd be five. Okay. Let's go to the go-karts, you know, let's go to this, whatever. And by the grace of God, I have a friend who is just ahead of me by about 10 years or so. And they lost their son. They go to Disneyland every single year for his birthday. And their daughter just gave birth to their first grandson. And his name is Ryan. And their son is Ryan. And it's so sweet. In fact, my girls are like, it's a race to who can get married first and who can have the first baby and name him Jackson. I'm like, oh, um, but I think talking about it and really making it something special and sweet is so like it, it celebrates this life. And, and if you haven't been able to conceive, that's hard. That's hard. Cause I know I wanted to be so happy for my friends, but there's a part of you that's just like, Oh, it hurts. It hurts. But then also like we have to give that over to the Lord. Mm. If the Lord is your master, he's your King. He's, he is taking care of you. We have to lay those things at his feet, which of course is so much easier said than done. But that's, I mean, encouragement, honestly, always go back to God's word. I love this first Peter five ten that, you know, after we've suffered a little while, which might be a long time, but as we know to the Lord, like time is, is nothing after we've suffered a little while, our God, our God of all grace, who's called you to his eternal home in Christ. He himself is going to restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. I can think of no greater hope than that. Hey friend, I don't know where the Lord has you right now. I don't know what your life looks like, but I know without a shadow of a doubt that the Lord will redeem the situation you're walking through. And if this ministered to you in any way, if you know somebody who is in the midst of this, feel free to share this with them. Take a screenshot and share it in your stories because if it's ministering to you, that also means that there's somebody else who who could benefit from this as well. Share it in your stories. Tag me at it's me, Michelle Castro, and also tag Elise at Wholesome Mama. And I'm praying for you, friend.